Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua. I recently did an interview with a member of the PivX community, and since I had done an episode that covered PivX fairly in depth, I wanted to insert this particular interview directly after that case study that I had done. So this interview was recorded probably six months or so after I did the case study episode, and a lot has changed with the PivX project. It's one that I personally follow fairly closely. And so I wanted to do an interview with someone that was a little more knowledgeable on what was going on and what the changes were and what that meant and all of these types of things. So I did it. And after doing so, I have now reinserted this back into the older portion of the Our Foundation's timeline. So this will now appear directly after the case study that I did with uh, PivX and Cardano, and it will just be a bonus episode. It doesn't really fit in the normal order that I do things, but um, I believe that it has a place here, and it's a good place for it. So here it is. And with that, I will go ahead and just play the interview. Hello, my name is Joshua, the host of the Our Foundations podcast, and with me today is someone that will discuss the PivX project and the new things that are going on in this project currently with the new privacy protocol and some of the other changes that are being made and some of the potential going forward. So before we get into those things, though, could you introduce yourself, who you are, what your role is, how you're involved, that type of thing? Yep. My name is Cryptosi. I'm a community member. I did give myself the name of Governance Guru uh, some years ago because I thought it sounded cool. Everyone in the space is an expert. I wanted to be an expert, too. Um, my background is in computing. I've done my degree in computer science with internet applications. Joined PIVX uh, in late 2016. I was previously very interested in Dash and um, Ethereum. Uh, I was in, f- fell down the crypto rabbit hole in late 2012. My m- main reason for being in crypto is to change the world as opposed to make a fortune and buy a castle and that is uh that's me in a nutshell okay well i can definitely relate to most of that um (laughs) what is um basically a brief overview of pivx i have done a previous episode where i go in depth on pivx so my listeners should be roughly aware and should remember that but as a reminder to them as well as anybody who has not listened to that episode could you just do a very brief overview of what the pivx project is what the goals are kind of what uh, what that looks like from a macro perspective Okay, yeah. So basically, PIVX is a cryptocurrency which is privacy centric. So the idea is that we, as best as we can, we implement the most cutting edge privacy and um, allow people to store value, exchange value, and create value even um, privately. Privacy is important because it gives people that sovereignty. It's the um, the best way to 
non have have a non-violent fight with the powers that be the uh the governments and the oppressors but not only that it's important for people to be able to transact without sharing all of their financial information as your viewers will your listeners will probably know with bitcoin the whole ledger is public so so if you do have a transaction with someone they can see everything uh pivx aims to be the complete opposite so that they can see nothing um we are proof of stake a fork of dash originally some years ago code base is probably not really anything like dash anymore away from masternodes uh, yeah we have masternodes which are i guess we'll speak about those a little bit later and uh yeah governance and yeah that's pivx pretty much in a nutshell Okay. Well, um, I know one of the biggest issues with PIVX is privacy, like you mentioned, and they definitely suffered a setback when the privacy protocol PIVX was using. ZeroCoin uh, was found to have a flaw, an exploit that was uh, potentially something that could have destroyed the project, but luckily it did not. And uh, PIVX was able to avoid that. And they've been trying to decide for a long time now what they're going to do. What's the new protocol going to be? How are they going to go from here? And so could you talk just a little bit about what that process is like, what their goals were, what the considerations were? And I know you're not directly involved as a developer, but you have some knowledge and insight into roughly how that decision-making process operates and some of the things that they were thinking of, I know. Yeah, so um, so with the new privacy, there were some things that were kind of um, priorities that our new privacy protocol should contain. Um, the one was uh, auditability. That was one of the, the main things that it should contain is that supply should be auditable so that if there is an exploit you can see it uh as it happens as opposed to um somebody being able to mint uh or create these spends that they've they've not got they shouldn't have access to and destroying the coin sub coin supply and basically destroying the coin Auditability was was one of the main things. Uh, along with that, the the main thing, which were for me, is um, the size of the transactions. So what you have with privacy coins always is a trade off. Um, encryption costs, and the more well, generally, the more powerful the encryption, the the steeper the cost. So for you to have private transactions, it comes at with with computationally heavy protocols that led us when we had zero coin to have having a quite bloated blockchain meaning that whenever you wanted to use the core wallet you had to download something i think it's currently like 17 gigabytes which is pretty big it's not something that you'd want to have on your mobile phone if you even could um it's difficult or it's time consuming to move from clear piv over to zpiv and these types of things make it difficult to use the the protocol so one thing that was being considered was having uh, a privacy protocol which was a lot more lightweight while still remaining as secure and as private as the cutting edge protocols are so i think that was the um the the second um I don't want to say prerequisite, but 
something along those lines. Um, I can't think of another one off of the top of my head. I've drawn a mental blank. Well, yeah, that sounds like those would be the two most important things that yeah. your transaction size and the size of data packets would be small enough to make it very usable, as well as um, being able to make sure that an exploit isn't being exploited at yeah. any current time. So audibility. Um, however, I do know that when they made the announcement recently that they were going to go with ZK Snarks and the Sapling protocol and Groth 16, these things that were mentioned on their announcement, um, one of the issues there is that audibility is not something that currently exists with this privacy protocol, at least as it currently exists in Zcash. And uh, another issue that uh, would probably be an issue that has been brought up as well is the trusted setup. That's something that some people are not very fond of. Um, so could you talk about this, about um, these choices that were made and going with Sapling and ZK Snarks and this type of thing, basically borrowing from Zcash for these base protocols. Um, what are some of the issues with that, as well as what are some of the advantages of using this and some of the reasons why they did go that route? Okay, so uh, I'm going to start with trusted setups. Let's start with trusted setups. Um for me, trusted setups, the main reason that people have got an issue with them is in the description that they are called trusted setups. Now, um, uh, I don't have as much of an issue with them now as I did originally when I when I learned how they were constructed. And here's why. Um, with a trusted setup, it's kind of you go through a ceremony where you pick a number of individuals to all complete a small task and add uh, a little piece of data to what will become uh, something akin to a master key once you've got this master key it kind of is consistent and every time you do a private transaction it 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 needs to be there um now to break a trusted setup every single person who was involved in the ceremony for the trusted setup needs to collude to to break it now that could be upwards of 50 people so to break a trusted setup is not it's not it's no small feat now on top of that there are papers i as far as i know there are there aren't any um implementations in the wild as yet but there are papers that are have got, got things like ongoing setups whereby every two weeks or so well, well depending on how they implement it but set intervals there will be re uh re i don't know not re ceremonies but there'll be other ceremonies which will go on top of the initial ceremony which will mean that not only will you need the initial people from the first ceremony to all conclude collude but you would need all, all the people who then took part in the other ceremonies ongoing now those people probably will be chosen at random and may not even know they were a part of the ceremony to to all collude to then break the private key uh, this this consistent key i forget the name of it, it does have a term so i for me that's although it's a trusted setup that's quite secure now the alternative an untrusted setup they've not been around as long meaning that they're not as battle tested so although 
they may do away with the trusted element and the ceremonies and all this and um, human error or maybe human collusion, one of the two. Although they do away with that, what they what they bring in its place is the fact that they are somewhat of an unknown. Like we don't know what exploits may be within these new software. So for me, the difference between trusted setup and untrusted setup is not it's not huge. Um, you'll have to remind me what was the first point. Auditability. Oh yes, auditability is uh, for me it's um, uh, quite a big deal. I think auditability and with Saplin, the fact that as far as I know, you can't audit the supply is, in my mind, it's an issue because it will uh, it will mean that the stakes are a lot higher. If there is an issue, we won't be able to um, quite easily identify the fact that there are all these coins <laughs> wrecking the supply. So with not having an auditable supply um for me that's uh that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a problem i think the only thing that mitigates it and it does mitigate it quite heavily is the fact that the sapling protocol and the crypto the cryptography that underpins that is has a lot of eyes on it it is the cutting edge now and a lot of cryptographers are looking at it they are trying to improve it they are looking for exploits they are looking for flaws they are looking for weaknesses so unlike zero coin which uh, brief history w- was made by the same people who moved well some of the same people who moved on to then zcash unlike the unlike unlike zero coin zcash is being actively developed on um, this sapling protocol is being actively developed. Those cryptographic proofs are being actively developed. With ZeroCoin, what happened was they made the protocol. They had said themselves they don't feel it's production ready. Um, I guess, fortunately, with it being open source, it wasn't really down to them. So other people took it up. They cleaned up the bugs that they had found that were present they made some improvements and people implemented it, not only PIVX, but, but Zcoin. Now, the, the end of the story is that there were some fatal flaws within that cryptography that then led to Zerocoin breaking fully. I, that's, that was unlikely with Zerocoin, and it's even more unlikely with, uh, I shouldn't say that, Touchwood, it's even more unlikely to happen with Saplin as it is now. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, so that's it really in a nutshell. Okay, so the there are two at least that we are identifying as the most blatant issues to potential problems here, and that would be auditability. But as you have said, this is a kind of battle hardened protocol that a lot of people are looking at. And if it is broken, then they'll probably attack these bigger chains like Zcash instead of a small one like PIVX. Um, But that's something that's extremely unlikely and not uh, probably not a big issue. It would be um, something that has a very, very minuscule chance of being an issue. And then the issue of a trusted setup, you have something where there are close to 100 participants that are all doing things independently. And 
every single one of them would have to collude and would have to save data and compile it together in order to create an exploit um, to take advantage of this protocol, which is virtually impossible. And like you mentioned, if there is an ongoing setup where new participants are brought in at random to help secure that protocol, then that's something that even though by name it's trusted, um, it is something that uh, is not very easy, if possible at all, to break the way that it would probably be implemented. So yes, they are potential issues, but not as big of an issue as I guess someone might think at first glance. So that's promising. yeah, and um, something that I I should say is that it's the the PIFX devs haven't actually come out and said yet how they're going to implement the trusted setup. So I'm just um, I'm just speculating that they will because what happens is after you've gone through the ceremony, you're 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 given this kind of uh, this kind of key. I'm just going to call it a key so that people can understand it. You're given this key, and I feel that. What's oh I'm going to speculate that what the PIVX devs will probably do is take the key that was produced from the Zcash ceremony because that's already been done by loads of people is quite a big deal and use that key. Um, PIVX currently is one of the most forked coins that there are. So when people continue to fork PIVX, they're going to need to do this trusted setup. Now, if they decide to do their own trusted setup, it'll probably be one or two devs and one or two community members that do it. The chances of those one or two devs or one or two community members then colluding are quite high. So I feel like Zcash have probably set the standard for the trusted setup, at least until there are ongoing setups. But I can't see that happening within the next, I don't know, few months to a year. So so yeah, so I just wanted to clarify that it's not definite that, PIVX will go down that route, but that's the reason why I feel they will, because even a project of PIVX's size, to go through a trusted setup ceremony, and I'm an avid supporter of PIVX, massive fanboy, I would be massively unhappy if they decided to try to do the ceremony between themselves. That would be far too much trust in far too few uh, of people. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I I have listened to some interviews with some of the main people in the Zcash team and heard them describe their trusted setup, the most most recent one, and um, it, it's pretty uh, amazing uh, the the extent that they went to make sure that there was no collusion. There were many different participants, almost a hundred, I believe, and some of them burned their computers immediately after generating the data they needed to. Um, some used like friends where each friend would pick a number one through 100 and they compile these numbers at random and uh, create the data they needed that way. Uh, one used some sort of tester that tested um, I think it was uranium, if I remember right, um, something crazy <laughs> like that. And according to the decay rate that it was producing, that's how they generated the data and just all kinds of crazy stories. Um, but the point is that it, when you have that happening with probably 88, I think was the number, participants, then it is nearly impossible for there to also be collusion going on amongst all these parties that don't know each other, that are going through these great lengths to keep it private and secure. 
So yes, I would agree. That sounds like it's something that could be trusted fairly reasonably. Yeah, because if if even one of those 88 people actually destroys their part of the ceremony, then that number's not being broken. So yeah, it's it's called trusted setup, but I I feel like the name is beginning to become a bit more of a hindrance than it really should be for me. You have uh, mentioned and covered some of these negatives associated with the new protocols that uh, the devs are seeking after, and uh, not necessarily negatives, more things that people would point out as potential pitfalls that could be an issue, and I think we've addressed those pretty well. What about the positive aspects? What are the the good things with Sapling and ZK Snarks that um, are an upgrade to the zero coin protocol and that really probably made the decision and was the main factor for the decision that the devs made to go this route? Um, I'm going to go with the main one uh, from my point of view, probably from the developers as well, is the cryptographic proofs that are being used are still actively being looked at there's loads of peer review and i think that's the main i think that's the main thing especially after what happened with zero coin a lot of the developers who are going to be working on sapling worked with pivx while we had zero coin and just having something that was not being uh looked at by this amazing cryptographic community was it was hard it was difficult when we was going to do bulletproofs we would have had to get people to do audits on them and things like that but with with sapling we're not really going to have to go down that route because these things are happening so that's that's what i would say is probably the main strength there are some other smaller ones which i am quite excited about one of which being that um sapling pretty much comes with um stealth addresses so what you can have is you can have a system where you put out an address and you say to everybody, OK, this is my address. You can pay me at this address. And when people do pay to that address, there's no way of anybody except the person who owns that address knowing where that money decided to go. Um, I think that's got a very um, it's got a lot of use cases that are. I think could possibly quite be quite interesting. So that's one of the features that I'm quite looking forward to. Um, away from that, the other main one, which is another actual big deal, is the the lightweight of the Sapling protocol, which is which means that effectively it won't be too difficult to have sapling running on a light wallet or have it running on mobile devices i think the proof sizes are something like um three point three kilobytes uh which co- compared to zero coin which was 22 kilobytes it's a massive a massive drop so we're not going to have the same amount of blow on the blockchain we're not going to have the same amount of uh, processing intensity that we had uh, before and I think those are some pretty big positives I think privacy on the whole not just sapling but with all the things that are coming out uh, 
with regards to ZK Snarks, even Ring CT, other privacy protocols, they're getting to a point now where they really are usable and they really are sustainable. So I feel like this is the next generation of privacy protocols, things that are truly usable and truly sustainable. Okay, yeah, that sounds very promising and it definitely sounds in line with the goals for PIVX in general. Um, one of the things that uh, I have personally had some issues with, with the developers and some of the official PIVX community has been in regards to the status of privacy in a transaction. And what I mean is just that in the previous protocol with zero coin, in order to do a private transaction, you had to convert your coins from being public to being private and then send those private coins and then somebody would receive them and have to convert them back if they wanted to. And it was just a bit of a process. So by default, everything was public. And so you would have PIV in your wallet and you'd send it to somebody. And if you just did that, then it would be public. And so that was the default. But if you wanted to go private, you'd have to go through a bit of a process. And I know at least what I was told, um, and this is the official PIVX stance, is that they want the user to have a free choice in how they spend their coins, whether that be public or private. And so they say that uh, it is not public by default, but rather they have the choice to treat it however they want. Um, and practically, that's not really how it played out. But as we are looking at that issue and then looking at the implementation of a new protocol, uh, what is your stance and what do you know or could you speculate about how that aspect will be treated with this new protocol in regards to default uh, publicity versus default privacy? Um, well, let me start off by saying I'm pretty pretty firmly in your camp. Um, I would much prefer that privacy was on by default. Um, from a usability point of view, if you're trying to protect casual users, you want them to be using privacy with, without having to chase it. Like It should just be privacy by default. Um, also, speaking to what you, what you alluded to with the regards to the official PIVX team um, having an opinion, that's one of the reasons why I don't like to be referred to as one of the people on the team is because sometimes these people have just got ideas they're just people with opinions and when they say these opinions it's like it's the project saying these opinions and that's just not the case we have got consensus finding mechanisms albeit slightly broken in that everyone doesn't own a master node if we wanted to ask the question should privacy be optional we could ask the question. We could ask the network the question, should privacy be optional and have a vote on it and have the masternode owners, masternode owners um, display a consensus one way or the other. What, what, what happens in reality, which I don't agree with, is that one person would have an idea. He's got an official position, maybe as a developer, maybe not as a developer, and he'll say something like privacy should be optional. Um, 
I I feel like transparency should be optional. I feel if you want to damage yourself, you should have the option to damage yourself. If you feel like you want to put your transactions out there for everyone to see, you, you should have the option to do that. Um, what I will say, though, what I will say in in their defense is that the 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 problem with having privacy on by default is with the use of sporks is when we come to talking about sporks now what sporks are is a way for the developers or whoever is in control of these particular spork keys to turn off certain features on the network so as we spoke earlier about zero coin breaking it was it was it should have been catastrophic um, had we not have had sporks and not been able to turn off the functionality of zero coin and stop the network from accepting those transactions, then PIVX would not exist anymore. It a hundred percent it would have been gone. They would have sold it down to zero. The supply would have it would have just been gone. So chances are, and I'm speculating, but I think I've got quite good reason. Chances are with this new privacy protocol there probably will be sporks even though we're using sapling which is um has got more eyes on it etc etc there still are chances that there will be sporks now to me um from a usability point of view it would make uh, it would make more sense and i feel it would be almost um it would almost be mandatory it should be it just really should be in the interface that when you decide to move your coins from public to private it should tell you something should pop up and say ping you're about to move your coins to a private state if the network suffers a catastrophic exploit your funds will be frozen until we can fix that exploit that's what happened with zero coin uh, when the exploit hit it saved the network but what it did was it did knock people's noses out of joint uh, with regards to them being able to spend their own funds and although the devs got onto it quickly and they quickly said look this is what's happened here's the exploit here's how it's happened here's why it's happened actually fixing that and implementing a fix in an open source environment giving um uh reasonable disclosure to the other projects that are using zero coin or that will be using sapling and pivx is forked by a lot of coins and it will be when when, Zap, when sapling comes along going through that whole process and having people's funds tied up is not something that you should be opting people in for by default so that's that's probably the best argument i can put in 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 favor of uh optional privacy will they go in that direction for this implementation i would i would hazard a guess that they would and i would also say they're probably right i think um it's easier for me or you to say it should be on by default and because we understand the risks we understand the situation but i think when we're starting to talk about moving crypto to to mass adoption and having a product that everybody can use, we have to take into account the people who don't know what sporks are, who don't understand the implications. And for that reason, it's probably the right option to go with 
optional privacy as opposed to what I would prefer to see, which is optional transparency. From a usability point of view, it's difficult to convince the developers um, because we, we haven't conducted that in-depth research that you would need to say, look, users aren't going to chase down this privacy. Um, with ZeroCoin, we did have a lot more discussion because actively having more people move their coins to the private state, it made the privacy a lot stronger. Uh, more private coins made for more fungibility. And that was an actual debate. It was a pretty robust conversation that, that some of the community members, developers, and other people involved in the project had on how we should incentivize um, people to move their coins into the private state. I, I would prefer by default, privacy by default, but implementing it, I think, will be difficult uh, because of sporks, mostly. Okay. Um, now, I I came up with an idea as you were talking, and you may have absolutely zero opinion on this or knowledge about it, but uh, my thought was just, I was thinking of Bitcoin and how the original plan for privacy on Bitcoin was that you would basically generate a different address every time you make a transaction and your name's not associated with it and each transaction would go to a different address. And so uh, the plan, at least, was that that would be virtually impossible to track. And um, I, I was kind of thinking of this on one side and relating it to this issue you're talking about where if you do have your coins in a private state and there's a problem, they would likely get locked up if it's anything like the past scenario that we've been through. And so uh, what if someone did have a public address with public funds, but they were able to make transactions privately and maybe have a default on their wallet where they receive and send transactions in a private form, but then they're stored on the address publicly, then if all you have are these random addresses that aren't connected to anything and you can't see what's coming out or what's coming in, you can just see the value within that account and that's it, then that would potentially be a way to have a high level of privacy. I know it's not perfect, um, <laughs> but you could have that without having your coins in a private state that would potentially get locked up. Is that something that might actually be possible with something like Sapling? Or is that something that would be totally different where you would have to store them in a private form in order to have any semblance of privacy? Um, I think not only is it possible, but I think it's something that the developers want to do. I've seen Furzy speak about uh, doing something like that, kind of enforcing the wallet to always use new addresses. Um, I'm, I, th I can't think of a... There's a Bitcoin wallet that I'm quite sure does it. I, I can't think of the name of it in my head. But yeah... Um, I think that would be I think that would be a great idea, and that wouldn't be that difficult to implement. The issue is, and um, and uh, I think it was Fuzzballs who said it, is that basically with privacy, if you're not at the cutting edge, if you're not really dealing in uh, zero knowledge, if you're not really dealing in the type of privacy that's not going to get broken there's not really much point for halfway measures because if somebody wants to find out, then they're going to find out. 
and I guess that's the kind of um, that's the kind of the mantra that he that he kind of uh, codes by and and prepares by, and that's kind of what Pivex is all about. Like there is a manifesto, and the manifesto, the first line is like privacy is non-negotiable. So the idea is that we always have the the strongest of the strongest privacy, not try to water it down for usability or try to water it down for um adoption sake or things like that the idea is that the the main uh, the main focus is the privacy um a quick story about that is from my experiences when i was a much more active or much more or focused on dash so at the time privacy was very new and Dash had what was known as still known as CoinJoin. So it would mix the coins and it would then uh, you'd send from the mixed pool instead of sending from your own wallet. Now, it's not it's not zero knowledge. It's not even close. It's not in the argument for the top privacy protocols that there are now. But at the time, it was taken seriously. Now, what had happened was the exchanges then started to say, well, listen, these privacy coins, we're going to start delisting them. And that became a worry. People started to say, well, if they delist the coins, then the value will fall and then we'll lose our money. So how about we stop chasing privacy? How about we, instead of chasing privacy, let's chase usability. Let's make it something that your grandma can use. Let's chase adoption in South America and let's try and get our thing into chicken shops in Venezuela. And suddenly what was initially called, I believe it was X coin and moved to dark coin and then to dash, then stopped being a privacy centric currency and turned into a usability centric currency. Now that upset a lot of people and that's, uh, I guess, with the reason why some of the people within PIVX may not go for a watered down privacy option. Um, but, <laughs> but on the flip side, if it's an option, then and you've got and you've also got the option to have the the full privacy, then I think it's probably better than having nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. So you'd have basically the ability to use ZK Snarks to have full privacy on your coins. But also, if you didn't want to store your coins in a private mode, then just using ZK Snarks for private transactions and then storing publicly and having maybe an automatically generated new wallet every time you make a transaction, then you could have a layer of privacy there. Um, yeah. without actually having to store in full private mode. So yeah, that makes sense. And also, uh, quickly, um, the, the, what, I've, what, I've, what I feel is the main reason why you wouldn't want to ha- have privacy by default, which is the sporks. Um, I think that's it's kind of a temporary problem. Like sporks don't exist forever. You have sporks, they're kind of like training wheels where you'd have them whilst you're... Uh, I, I wouldn't say unsure, but whilst there's a a chance that the protocol that you're running could have an issue, um, that sounds a little bit more risky than it than it is. But that's that's how sporks work. So 
once you're really to a point where the 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 opportunities are not really worth considering the chances of exploit are not really worth considering you would remove the sporks and i feel like if you remove the sporks with something like sapling then having um privacy by default suddenly becomes a much more attractive option and so i think what we are discussing is a temporary problem i don't think it's something that we will be worried about in three years time uh, should we still be using sapling and then these types of um protocols yeah yeah that would be ideal and if you think back to cash which is what cryptocurrencies were modeled after a form of uh, value transfer a currency that anybody has full control over i have my cash it's in my hand no one can steal it out of my account by <laughs> hacking me um, it's because it's physically there. And if I give cash to somebody, there's no record of it unless we choose to keep a record of it. And that is something that um, is a very nice thing to have as an option. And those are very good qualities of cash. And so I, I do like the idea of having those same qualities with a cryptocurrency in that you do have an option for keeping a record, a receipt, so to say, um, and on the blockchain, that's much more immutable and much stronger. Um, but also you have the option to just give somebody some cash or send somebody privately some cryptocurrency. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And that's one of the things that drew me to the PIVX project to begin with um, was this privacy-centric focus that um, that has always been the top priority for PIVX. And so that's something I can very much get behind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to ask you about were some of the challenges in implementing this new protocol on the PIVX blockchain, because like you've alluded to before, Sapling and ZK Snarks and Groth16, these things that the PIVX team has decided to go with are things that come from Zcash and they do exist currently. However, PIVX does have some aspects and qualities that Zcash does not. It is a proof of stake coin. There is the issue of the DAO and the governance system. We have masternodes. There are a lot of things here that don't exist with Zcash. So um, is this something that the devs are likely going to be working towards in the future? And kind of what are these challenges associated with trying to use this protocol, let's say Sapling, and borrowing it from a coin that is so different than PIVX? Yeah, um, I, 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 I don't really have much to add to that. I think you, the, the, um, there are some things that I've picked up, I've learned over the years of giving these developers a hard time because I'm, I'm the king of when is it going to be ready? Why is it not ready yet? So with moving something like Sapling from Zcash over to PIVX, there are a few things to consider, right? Uh, first of all, PIVX is proof of stake. So you're going to be implementing it on a completely different consensus mechanism. It's, it's, it's just different from the ground up. So our implementation of Sapling will probably look very, very different to the Zcash uh, implementation of it. On top of that, you do have things like, um, obviously for proof of state, you've got things like staking. So 
being able to privately stake is a massive deal that it I guess it would be the equivalent of being able to privately mine I don't know if you can but being able to privately stake so you hold your coins and you add to your coins add to your value over a period of time in a private fashion without having to say to the world or look at look at me here I am and here's all my money without having to do that is um, a pretty big deal I would say the the other issues that the PIVX developers will have is that not only will they be adding uh, Sapling to PIVX, because if it was just a case of copying the code, there it is, and then plonking it into the PIVX code base. If it was that simple, uh, we would be talking about release on the 1st of April. They also have to worry about technical debt. Now, technical debt is... Um, when you've implemented things on your code base and then <laughs> those things become redundant or outdated for one reason or another. One of the or the main thing with regards to PIVX and technical debt would be zero coin. So before adding all the stuff for sapling or before that being complete, the developers are going to have to remove all of the stuff that was there previously from zero coin i don't know how many hard forks that will take if they can do it all in one or two or whatever but that's going to be um a part of the the journey a part of the struggle of moving on to having this new privacy protocol on top of that there is also this ongoing battle let's say to keep up with btc so PIVX runs on a BTC code base and we always want to keep up with the additions and the changes that are being made to BTC, uh, to Bitcoin. Doing that alone is quite a lot of work. Um, so there, there's that element on top of it as well. When you add all those elements together and suddenly what people will uh, report as oh well PIVX are just copying Zcash or they're just adding what Zcash have already got it suddenly becomes a much more bigger challenge and effectively it's the reason why uh, Litecoin won't just add <laughs> sapling to it um, it's adding something to an already active and already uh, well-developed and well-modified and um, a, a code base that wears a lot of scars, which, which, you, which you could relate technical debt to, adding something like Sapling to that is it's a massive deal. So I, f I feel like it's a, it's a huge undertaking, but I'm I'm quite confident that it's uh, it's the best choice that they could have made. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Um, you, you said before, and I want to ask you a little more about this, that there are some options with using ZK Snarks and using the Sapling protocol that are opened up to PIVX that were not there with ZeroCoin, or at least not in the same way. Um, you mentioned stealth addresses, and we've talked about the size. So because the size of data packets and transactions is so small, you can easily, uh, relatively easily implement yeah. this on mobile <laughs> devices and light wallets and things like this. And so there are a lot of things that are possible. 
I also do know that there are different projects out there that are using these same privacy protocols and implementing them in the form of a platform and smart contracts and messaging and all these different things that PIVX has never been involved with. I know the the plan and the original reason for PIVX was just to be a currency and to do that very well with a focus on privacy. Um, as far as you know, are there any of these other options that have been floated at least as being something that potentially might be pursued in the future or as far as you know, um, with the devs and more of the official team, is has this always been and will likely always be something that is strictly a currency with value transfer and that's it? Um, I think as far as the core devs are concerned, yes, it will strictly just be a currency and that's it. However, however, there was a... Um, a little known and shortly contested not off not it, it wasn't it wasn't an ongoing debate for a long time for pivx to have a um I, I don't know if i'd go so far as to say smart contract layer but to have a second layer where you could do things like um counterparty did on top of BTC, where you could do those uh, counterparty. Um, what's the name of it? Roots? Was it Rootstock? Was it Rootstock? I think it was Rootstock. Sounds which was, familiar. Yeah, which I think was the. It was kind of like the uh, the counter argument to Ethereum. So you could do all those things, but you could do it on top of of BTC. Now there are various projects that are putting uh, uh, EVMs or things like that on top of Bitcoin-based blockchains. One that springs to mind is Lux. So these things do exist, but I don't, I don't think PIVX will go in that direction simply because, like I said before, the idea is to have a private currency. Um, I I, I don't say I don't want to say I run, but I'm quite active in um, a, a small project which is a spin-off from Pivx or a part of the Pivx ecosystem, I guess, like what it called Zephyr. Now I want to add all these features to Zephyr, and these features that I want to add to the Light Wallet, I know the core developers will never add to the core wallet to the the core client. Um, one of the reasons is which. I respect is that for every feature that you add, you also add a uh, a group of possible exploits. So all the time you're trying to add this and add that and add the other and add this that and the other. Every time you add something, it comes with a window, and every window is an opportunity for an exploit to get in. So it makes sense that Pivx sticks to its core functionality and goes down the, the path of being a currency and allows the other projects that are uh, smart contract platforms to be smart contract platforms, uh, currencies that are stable coins to be stable coins, things to do what they're supposed to do, possibly so that you're not a jack of all trades and a master of none. So 
But I can't see it happening that Pivx goes after smart contract platforms and things like that. However, if it is a layer two or it is something that can be done externally and just kind of bolted on, then there's nothing to stop the uh, whoever whoever wants to do that. For example, with my Light Wallet project, there's the the core team. They can't stop me from <laughs> producing a Light Wallet. It's literally <laughs> it's what open source is all about. So if it gets to the situation where somebody does want to do something like a, a rootstock for pivx or have these kind of colored coins or wallets that are um have got different faces like a a white label uh for pivx kind of thing if somebody wants to do that there's nothing they can do to stop them further to that you can put forward a proposal and you can get funded if the masternode owners want you to do it and the core team don't so uh, it's 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 difficult because we're limited only by people's imagination and the Pivx community's appetite for uh, construction. So it, it it could happen, and I dare say a lot of different things will be built away from core. But I wouldn't want to see the core developers start saying we're going to build a smart contract platform. I wouldn't want to see them doing that. I just want them to do privacy and do that better than everyone else. Yeah. Away from privacy, uh, I'd like to see governance, but mostly privacy, yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I don't think that Pivx should try to compete with Ethereum. Uh, two totally different projects, totally different goals, totally different things. Um, but at the same time, I can see how having a privacy-centric currency have some features such as being able to send messages with a transaction or being able to do very simple smart contracts like this transaction will happen if X occurs. Um, There are some more simple basic things that would turn a currency into, so to say, a smart currency uh, that could make sense. And the way it sounds and my understanding is that you could do that on a second layer, like through a separate wallet, like you're talking about. Um, And yeah, I I, I can see that. And that that would, in my opinion, be a good thing um, that far in the future gets pursued. But at the same time, yeah, to totally go after the platform track is probably not a good idea. And for the core devs to focus on anything aside from getting a privacy protocol in place and making it the best one on the market... Um, that's what they need to be focusing on. And with this being a coin that is built around the idea of privacy and not having privacy, uh, that's a big issue right now. And like we've talked about, there's a lot involved with implementing that into the PIVX uh, blockchain with the staking, masternodes, governance, all this stuff. It's a big project. It will take a long time. And there is a lot involved. Um, One of the aspects of that that you've alluded to a few times is governance and the DAO system. Could you talk a little bit more about what that looks like in PIVX, as well as maybe some of your views and opinions with uh, the DAO model and the governance system that exists? I I can talk about DAOs until the cows come home. This is my <laughs> this is my this is my pleasure. Right. So okay, so uh 
I'll take it from the top. What is a DAO? A DAO stands for, uh, I think it's Decentralized Autonomous Organization. All right now, I've yes. got a yeah, I've got a I've got a strange um, a strange feeling about DAOs. So I I see DAOs as actual living creatures. The idea being that it takes on a mind of its own. There's no centralized authority, kind of like Bitcoin, but even more so in the fact that the direction for this uh, organization is chosen not by the few developers or the few early adopters, but by the people who are actually using the coin and actually uh, holding it actively, actively a part of the ecosystem. So, so for me, I feel like currently we're at a stage where there still is no um, mature DAOs. So people will say, oh, well, Dash has been around for a long time, but Dash is still, I guess their DAO is maybe seven years old, six years old. If it, six, no, yeah, I don't know, seven, seven, eight years old at the most uh, since they've had a DAO. And that's still immature. It's still, their DAO is still not doing the things that an adult DAO will do. If you equate a DAO to a child, um, people will say, oh, well, we don't like DAO technology because it's the early adopters. They they form a cartel or a cabal and then they just decide what's going to happen for the coin. Um, that is true right now, but that's because it's still young. Now, if you're equated to a child, an eight-year-old child, you don't let them go and do whatever they want to do because they're still too young. You have to nurture them and look after them until they get to an age where they are mature. Now, that maturity will manifest itself in a DAO by the distribution of the votes being as widely spread as possible. And that doesn't only mean throughout as many hands, but throughout as many different types of people from as many different demographics as possible, which is very difficult with the current layout of um, coins costing money. But that would be the ideal. That's kind of where I'm hoping that um, DAOs grow to. But for me, not only is it an amazing funding model, as PIVX uses and Dash has used and proven, is to be an amazing funding model, but it's also a way to find um, consensus. And we have done that in some interesting ways within PIVX. Now, there is a question that I did want to ask directly related to PIVX governance. And that would be that it's been quite a long time, I believe, roughly, um, that it has been said that the voting for the DAO on PIVX will be enabled for all users instead of just the masternodes making all decisions. Um, But as far as I know, that is not, actually been pursued further and um, that is not something that occurs currently is is that something that is uh, kind of probably sidetracked right now while they work on the privacy protocol is that something we can look forward to is that still the goal uh, what's going on there as far as you know uh, uh, right so 
Yes, definitely. It, it has to move from master nodes only. Uh, with it being master nodes only, not only is it a plutocracy, but it's the worst kind because it's so expensive to buy a master node even now. Um, when Pivx is at $10, a vote is going to cost you $100,000 just to be able to have a vote. That's That's nonsensical. That is broken. That doesn't. That's no good, right? So, before that had even happened, I think when we first got involved, it was one of the first things we identified that needs to change, and it hasn't because privacy does come first. So, for me personally, I would love to see a situation where we're no longer using the masternode only way of voting. And I don't think there's anybody who wants to stick to masternode only voting, even the people who have loads of masternodes, even they accept um, and welcome the fact that if you have more people, more people being able to vote, you're going to get a better representation and you're going to get better outcomes and you're going to get more engagement even. Uh, with the project so I'm pretty certain that mass node only voting will will be a thing of the past but but as you said first thing we have to tackle is privacy because that is arguably um, arguably more important once that's done the next step is to come up with a, a governance solution that actually works and that in itself has been an ongoing debate that we still have not gotten to the end to end of how far we've got now is that we had identified uh three main <laughs> we'd identified three main candidates let's say for the next stage in pivx's governance i had put forward a candidate of my own which i'm going to also add even though my candidate was thrown to the work, to the side because they was like, ah, Cryptosy, you don't know nothing. Like these are the three <laughs> good ones, right? But the three the three candidates that we have, um, one called Tango, which effectively works out to be uh, one stake, one vote. So what that means is anybody who's staking, uh, therefore securing the network. Um, I don't know how it would work with regards to cold staking. I would assume. If you're cold staking, then whoever's cold staking should get the vote, not whoever's doing the actual staking. But anyway, um, one stake, one vote. That kind of works in a way by if you own one PIV, you get one vote. If you own a thousand PIV, you're, you've got a thousand times more of the vote. Now, whilst that's quite easy to implement, that's very basic and it still doesn't, um, it doesn't, ease the pressure of the heavy handedness that you have with the um the whales that's the word with the whales yeah, you so can got, literally buy voting power that way <laughs> li literally right and not only that but there is no there's nothing to stop you but the the counter argument is well if you've invested value into the system then you should should get to vote with that equal amount of value um i i tend to agree with that actually i tend to agree with that because simply because 
with voting within a cryptocurrency, it's not the same as within voting within a state. And that's what people always liken it to. But it's not the same. There's one fundamental difference in that voting within a cryptocurrency system or being involved in a cryptocurrency system is purely voluntary. You're free to leave anytime you want. But try leaving whatever country you live in now and go into another one on a whim anytime you want. It's not the same, right? So so for me, I don't mind it being a plutocracy. I think that's fine. I, I would equate it more to having shares in a company. So I think the voting and it's it kind of it works out that way. So the amount of people that vote compared to the amount of people that are eligible to vote is always around a third, which coincidentally is very similar to how it is in retail voting. So shareholders from a company, they turn out their turnout is roughly around a third. Like that's considered a good turnout. And that's kind of what most masternode projects get even dash it's about a third of the masternode holders that actually actively vote anyway so the first one is the tango one one vote uh the second one is kind of i don't want to say tango with additional extras it's something called pivmetheus it's extremely complicated i won't even go through it all now because it's 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 too much but uh effectively what it does is it introduces something called quadratic voting which which um it loosens the 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 weighting or it lowers sorry it lowers the weighting of the whales so if you've got 10,000 uh piv you don't get 10,000 of a vote the more piv you've got the lower that vote then becomes now obviously that's probably open to being gamed by you moving your piv to various utxos and then voting from them da 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 so it's it's probably not perfect but no voting system is but that's the second one which also removes or tries to lower the um there, there are other things involved in it but that's the that's the main the main um aspect the final one was suggested by a previous developer who worked at pivx called Prestab, who's since moved on great guy um and he he had uh, like a, a, a layered system. So as well as having master nodes, you would have a cheaper voting node, which was a lot more accessible for people to buy. And you it would um, it would encourage people to hodl. And if you had this voting node, you would probably or possibly get uh, slightly more rewards. I can't remember the exact um, the exact parameters as they were at the time. But we narrowed it down to those three. Uh, my suggestion was to have press tabs, but add something like a, a liquid governance, whereby you put your vote towards your your delegate and they vote on your behalf. So that way you don't have to constantly be updating yourself on what you want to vote on. It's kind of a bit similar to how we have now with politics where you vote for your local representative, kind of something like that, something along those lines. So that's kind of where we got to. Uh, once we'd gotten once we'd gotten that far, the the next step is to choose one of the three. Now Fuzzballs, who is the lead of the development team, he's openly said and constantly said that this decision on governance will not be made by the core devs because it's too it's too um 
I guess philosophical is probably the best way to put it, as opposed to privacy, which is highly technical. There's no point in us not even getting involved in that because we don't really we don't really know what the, the drawbacks could be. We're just going to be asking questions more than we're going to be adding useful um, uh, input. But with governance, it's a totally different kettle of fish. So we're going to have to have a process of elimination for those last three. And then once we've gotten down to the one that we want, then we have to uh, put it to a vote and then get it implemented. But I can't see that happening anytime soon, obviously, because we've got the mountain of privacy to climb and what, what all the other things that come with it. Yeah, yeah. And even putting it to a vote would be difficult if you don't have a voting mechanism and governance system. <laughs> yes. No, so, so my suggestion for that was you'd have to have um, consensus being drawn from various different avenues. So what we've done in the past on situations like that is we've had votes in Discord where you just put a simple thumbs up and thumbs down. Yes, it can be gamed. You can send bots in and all those types of things. But it's just another pointer to where people's minds are at. So if we see that uh, we have a Twitter poll and we have something on uh, the forum and then we have something in Telegram and we have something in Discord and we have a masternode vote, if they all push in the same direction, then we can be quite sure to say, okay, that's probably the direction that we want to go in. If masternodes push in one direction and all the other consensus drawing mechanisms push in another direction, chances are we should go with all the other consensus drawing mechanisms as opposed to masternodes. And also on top of that, at least it gives the masternode holders um, something to gauge their opinion by as opposed to just going with what the masternode holders are saying. They can see, okay, the community actually want um, this particular implementation. So although I'm sitting on the fence, because I can see that they want it or I feel that they want it, I'm going to vote for them to have what they want. So there are ways around picking <laughs> a new governance system when the only thing you've got is the old governance system. But we're going to really have to refine those and make sure that they work a lot better than the um, the kind of haphazard explanation that I just gave you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know it's recommended if you make a proposal to the Treasury to reach out, especially on Discord, talk to people, propose your idea, get some feedback, get people aware of it before you actually make an official proposal. And that way people yeah. know what's going on and they're more likely to vote for you. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I could see that um, being implemented in a similar way with what you're talking about using multiple mechanisms. So if there's a conversation going on on Reddit and on Discord and some people pitching in and chiming in on Twitter and all of these places where it's not just a vote being cast, but rather it's a conversation being had, it's um, meaningful discourse that's going on then yep. that can uh, really help mold and shape the direction things go. And then when a vote is taken and that is done through multiple different avenues and multiple sources, um, then I guess it's more of an informed vote and more of an informed decision. And that sounds like something that could uh, definitely have a lot of potential there. Yeah, and, and that also speaks to what I was saying about DAO maturity. Now, because we've had a DAO for so long, we've got a lot of people who have 
been around who have seen um, other ways to increase the engagement and to come to better um, solutions with using the system. For example, uh, I used to have a podcast uh, which was like a, a conference call where we would discuss the proposals that were being put forward. It would give the proposal maker an opportunity to speak and to be heard in a, a, an, an audio medium uh, about their idea and give people to a question, uh, an opportunity to question it. Now, what that what that offers, or what that would offer, especially when choosing different governance, would be it would offer uh, the author of Pythmetheus to come forward and say, well, look, this is the reason why I think it will work. It allows people to say, well, this is the reason why I think it wouldn't work. It then allows the author to then go back and make those changes, make those improvements prior to putting that proposal forward. And we've used that model successfully to have some really um, meaningful, decentralized alliances, we call them, which are kind of like partnerships for decentralized organizations and and some really good uh, proposals get put forward. So I'm quite sure that when it comes to the time for uh, having and p- picking a new type of governance, we can use those social mechanisms to make sure that we're getting the best out of our community and make sure that we're, we're getting the best out of all the knowledge that these people have um, and their opinions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You've you've kind of inspired me. I, I would like to write a white paper on governance now. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I will not do so, but um, I will probably be uh, active in pitching forth a few ideas and critiquing other ideas that other people have. And that's, yeah, that's something that I really like about PivX and these types of projects in general is that the community does have a say. I, I can actually have some input. I can share my idea. And if people like it, then it will be known and it will get to the devs and the people in charge. Um, I know there's technically not anybody in charge, so to say. Um, I got in trouble on Discord recently because I made a reference to uh, when the new privacy protocol announcement would take place. And it was a sarcastic comment that got taken the wrong way. And I sarcastically said the devs were in charge and that didn't go well either. So um, I have to be careful. I know um, when you're typing something out, uh, the tone doesn't really get across oftentimes. And yeah, people can get a little well, uh, worked up about that. Well, I'm probably the worst person for that. I I upset the devs all the time. It's kind of like a hobby of mine. So yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't worry about it. I think one one good thing, or well, two good things, is that if you do put your proposal forward and people or some people don't like it. The good thing is that there's a good chance that there are other people like me who will like it. And I've got one or I've got two really good examples of that. Um, the first one is a a, a new startup uh, now called Vendable. Now, what happened there yes. was um, a person came in and he put forward this proposal and he said, I want to make a, a, a payment processor for for pivx and i want to make a payment processor for pivx and to be fair the idea kind of fell on deaf ears but um snappy uh brian snappy the who was the face of pivx um he still kind of is really uh he 
he really liked the idea. And we spoke about it until I really liked the idea. And then before you knew it, the, it, it, um, it just, it just spun off and it just started. And there was a lot of, there is still a lot of Pivx energy in there, along with a lot of the other projects that we have got these kind of alliances with, who are now also featuring on this, um, this new payment processor that is now incorporated and now going through some series of funding or whatever. And it's, it's really doing very well. But the, my point, my point being is that, um, with these types of DAOs, it, it just fosters creativity and it really gives people um, license. However wacky or zany your idea may be, it gives you license to just let it out. And if a few people do like it, it may make it to to be a proposal. But even if it doesn't, there's still a chance that people will come together and work on this idea and make it a reality. And I think that's um, that's one of the, the, the real great things about about PIVX, well, not just PIVX, but all DAOs as they are now. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, so much to look forward to. There's so much potential here, and I am greatly looking forward to seeing how this develops, especially as we uh, get into the details of the privacy protocol and how that'll be implemented and how that'll relate to things like staking and masternodes and governance and seeing the governance system fully develop and get fleshed out and turn into something like you're talking about that is a more mature DAO, something that um, is a little more grown up than what currently exists on the market today. Um, I know projects like Cardano is a good example of one that there's a lot of theory there and a lot of very good stuff as far as a governance system, liquid democracy, things like this, but it's not there. It doesn't exist um, in any (laughs) real form. Uh, we call those uh, we call those PowerPoint coins. They're, uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're yeah. amazing. They're, they're amazing, and they they make amazing presentations. They really do. I'm so impressed by Cardano presentations. But you know, like uh, presentations, they're not. You can't use them in the real world. Like they they're just presentations, and that's that's the problem that I have with those types of projects. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that's really stuck out to me with PIVX is that even though it's such a small coin and relatively such a small community, they have come out with so many firsts and so many novel ideas and implementations with private staking and cold staking and having a proof of stake coin that has these privacy aspects to it. And uh, even just the implementation of the zero coin protocol that was um, unique at the time of it being implemented and all these different things are they're They're not only uh, things that are very good and um, a very solid implementation, but they're, they are unique and they're being done and they actually exist. And so it's really cool to see such a small project actually putting forth and implementing things that, um, that even some of these large top 20 coins don't have implemented yet, even though it's on their list. Oh, this will come. Um, it's not there, (laughs) but on PIVX, this, you know, relatively tiny coin, uh, we actually already had a lot of those things. And so, yeah, that's, that's really cool. There, there's a big difference between theory and reality and the ideal and what really exists. And, uh, I, I see that playing out in the favor of PIVX, um, the way that, uh, these things actually have historically happened and um, the way that they 
uh, have actually been implemented and are usable. And that gives me a lot of confidence looking forward that these things the devs are talking about are not just uh, PowerPoint presentations that sound good. Um, They're actually (laughs) going to happen and they're actually going to be good. And so, yeah, yeah, that's a lot of my hope. Um, So I, I think we've talked about pretty much everything that that I wanted to cover on this interview. Is there anything else in particular that really stands out to you or that you wanted to mention or anything else at all? Um, what else that I'm on? I guess without, uh, I think we covered everything. I didn't really speak about cold staking, which is quite a big deal. Um, so yeah, shout out to random zebra for adding that it's, uh, cold staking for me, it brings the it brings the um, the people who don't have a lot of bandwidth or really expensive equipment uh, like we do in the Western world. It brings them to the party and doesn't penalize them for holding. So I think cold staking is something that kind of got snuck in under the radar. It wasn't a first. I think we we did get the implementation uh we did adapt the implementation from i'm going to go with navcoin i think we adapted it from there but it's um it's such it's so it's so in keeping with the whole pivx ethos and like the the vibe of um a kind of like no man left behind or no woman or child left behind like <laughs> it, we we do truly want this to be a global project and for it to succeed as a global project uh, people in South Africa who have internet bandwidth issues should be able to hold and stake and cold staking gives them that opportunity also um, I don't know if I can let this out of the bag but I'm going to anyway there are uh-huh. services there are services well it's not it's not nothing with core they don't let me in on their secrets because they know I've got a big mouth so it's <laughs> there are there are services that have popped up um there's a voidnet which is uh run by a guy who was like a community dev within uh pivx called um actually I don't know if he wants to be known so I'm not going to say who it was but uh he's got this voidnet and what they're doing is they're allowing um projects uh, projects people to cold stake via that platform so all you have to do is sign up to the platform which is free uh send the cold staking transaction and they will stake your coins for you at no charge so that just literally opens the door to anybody in the world suddenly just cold staking turning their piv into more piv without having to have all this bandwidth uh, that's one thing Oh, the second thing I wanted to talk about is um, the the Pivx forks and all of the good work that they do, and the fork developers and all of the good work that they do, uh, how they're now starting to be integrated. And kudos to the current core team because it's it's not easy for them to to um, to look over the work that the uh, community devs do that the it's not easy for them to look over that work and everything that these guys put forward it takes them just as long to verify that it's good code as it probably takes them to type the code and they're taking this time to really integrate with these other developers it's making the whole pivx development team and community 
a lot stronger. So, like, real kudos to those guys because I know it's not it's not really the done thing within crypto to be as open as these guys are now becoming. So, a kudos to them. And finally, um, as I'm doing this lap of honor, which started to sound like an acceptance speech, <laughs> uh, <laughs> finally, thank you to the guys at Merge Project, which is another one of these projects was kind of born out of people who were just hanging around the pivots community and felt like they could do things better. And what they've done is they've picked up a lot of these forked coins. A lot of them were PIVX forks because PIVX has got loads of forks that had, had died. They didn't have the developer power to keep going or to add the features that they promised to add and taken all of those communities and kind of merged them into one community, done a big coin swap and added that value. And now they're producing um, real tools that other projects can do. They've got explorers that you can buy. They've got cedars. They've got uh, uh, snapshots so that if you don't want to uh, get the whole blockchain from the peers, you can just download it. And all of those things, it's just adding to the whole uh, ecosystem of not just PIVX but crypto in general so I just really want to say thank you to all those guys all of the other like kind of fringe people with uh, fringe people um, yeah fringe demographics like you know the women the 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 Spanish community the people who are not like in the majority within crypto who have kind of come to PIVX found a home and and settled in and it's been nice i think those things are very important and um i don't want snappy to be the only person that can say that like the human element is important and i, I really do feel like at pivx we have our arguments definitely um but i feel like we're getting those things right i think that that's important and I, I'm, I'm happy to see that um and long may it continue well my guest today has um, definitely introduced us to a lot of what we wanted to know about with the new privacy protocol and just the state of PIVX, some history stuff, some inside information, um, all this stuff. That's exactly what I wanted to get. And I'm sure that the listeners will be very satisfied with everything we've gone over today. So um, I will continue your acceptance speech and say <laughs> thank you to you, Cryptosi, for coming on the show and for talking about these things and giving us your insight and your opinions. Um, I do appreciate your time. So thank you very much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. You've been a fantastic host. Anybody who wants to find out more, they can come to the Discord. Uh, I think we've got a Telegram, but I don't like it. So come to Discord because that's where the cool kids hang out. <laughs> I think the uh, the link is discord.pivx.org. Uh, follow us on Twitter. And yeah, enjoy crypto, people. Enjoy it. Yeah.